0: Hey, Peak Pals, at the end of today's episode, we've got an exclusive interview with Emma Race. She's the Senior Director of Sustainability and Social Impact at Loblaw. Now, Emma has the privilege of driving environmentally and socially sustainable initiatives with a focus on Loblaw's commitment to reducing plastic waste, achieving net zero carbon targets, eliminating food waste, and feeding more families. Sounds like a big job. In our conversation, we're chatting with Emma about an exciting and unprecedented renewable energy announcement. I don't want to spoil too much, so make sure to stay tuned at the end of the episode to hear about how Loblaw is changing the renewable energy game.
1: With that, let's kick off today's episode. I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal. This is your Peak Daily for Friday, May 5th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes.
0: Okay, so Jay, an investment portfolio constructed by AI chatbot, ChatGPT is delivering better results than some of the UK's top funds, gaining 4.8% in the eight weeks since it's been created. We're just so glad there's an alternative to getting financial advice on TikTok, where so-called personal finance experts have given some of the absolute worst advice imaginable. If you haven't seen it, Jay, there are some very funny clips from personal finance experts on TikTok. But I guess my question to you is, would you trust ChatGPT with your portfolio?
1: I don't think I'd trust it with my complete portfolio, given that I do put some things in there it comes back with exact wrong advice. But if given the choice between listening to people to ChatGPT and listening to TikTok, I think I might choose ChatGPT.
0: I know, but those are two bad options, Jay. I don't want to be in a world where I have to choose between TikTok, personal finance gurus and ChatGPT. Look, I think there's a lot of promise in AI and ChatGPT. Would I trust it today? I'm not not sure, but the numbers speak for themselves. You know, you can see that it's performing pretty well. So we'll see. Look, I think it's inevitable that AI becomes just a bigger part of our lives. I don't think our financial lives are going to be separate from that.
1: This is not investment advice. Don't you have to put that caveat on no, there, Brett? No, yeah,
0: not at all. This couldn't be further from investment advice. In fact, it's likely advice of not investment advice.
1: <laughs> Brett, aside from not offering any investment advice, what do we have for Peak Pals today?
0: For our first story, Shopify makes cuts for our second story, TD Bank loses a deal. And for our last story, a new grocery code of conduct.
1: For our first story, Like our goal of reading 100 books, Shopify started the year with an unattainable dream. So where have they ended up, Brett? Well, not
0: in a good place, Jay. So Shopify is laying off 20% of its global workforce after selling off its logistics operation, including e-commerce platform Deliverer. They sold to American freighter Flexport and its warehouse robotic operations to British grocery fulfillment company, Ocado Group.
1: The company has been scrambling to cut costs ever since e-commerce growth slowed to a crawl last year and already laid off 10% of its global workforce last July.
0: This, per the Wall Street Journal, ends Shopify's quest to build a logistics and fulfillment service. CEO Tobias Lutka hesitated to position the move as a challenge to Amazon, but did once say Shopify was, quote unquote, trying to arm the rebels against the tech behemoth.
1: That's quite the, the turn of phrase. Just a year ago, Shopify splashed $2.1 billion to buy up Deliverr, spelled with two R's, to fulfill those dreams. And as recently as February, it was adding new logistics features.
0: And to zoom out, dr- Lucas says the logistics biz was ultimately a side quest for which Shopify no longer has time. He's not alone. From Chinese gaming giants to German sportswear brands, companies can't afford to focus on anything that isn't their core business these days. For our second story, after weeks of speculation about the fate of a takeover deal that would make TD Bank the sixth largest lender in America, the offer is officially off the table. What happened to the deal, Jay?
1: Well, without a clear path to regulatory approval, Canada's second largest bank is scrapping its plans for a $13.4 billion acquisition of U.S. lender First Horizon. Given that three regional banks have failed this year, maybe, just maybe, TD actually dodged a bullet.
0: Now let's get you caught up. Senator Elizabeth Warren, your senator from your old state, Jay, Passionately opposed the deal, citing concerns raised in a 2022 media report that alleged TD was involved in shady consumer practices, including setting high sales targets that resulted in consumers being pressured to open accounts.
1: Holding on to its highest quality assets in the face of a possible recession might not actually be a bad place for TD to be. Investors also weren't sold on it in the first place, comparing the deal to BMO's takeover of Bank of the West and claiming that TD was paying more for less.
0: So it should come as no surprise that TD's share price has been left relatively unscathed by the news. But for First Horizon, it turns out the only thing worse than being a US bank right now is one with a failed takeover on its record. Shares are down 40% just this week.
1: Ouch. On the other hand, TD will be missing out on the opportunity to build its presence in the US Southeast and sell its products to new customers across 400 branches.
0: But being left with a large amount of capital on the table, minus the $225 million it will have to pay to terminate the deal, means that TD can now potentially seek other deals.
1: Now to zoom out, Canadian banks have a bit of an obsession with expanding into the U.S. as of late. They are more profitable than ever, outpacing America's largest institutions on some measures and are ready to put that money to work. That is, if regulators will let them. For our third story, the Grocery Code of Conduct that would govern the actions of Canada's grocers and their suppliers is in its final draft, but it's still leaving top grocery clinics hungry for more.
0: Here's what's driving the news. So according to documents obtained by the Canadian press, the final draft includes an obligation to quote unquote good faith negotiations, a ban on unilaterally altering contracts, a process to resolve disputes, and the ability to sanction systematic violations of the code.
1: Yes, but the draft doesn't have mechanisms to fine grocers and suppliers that fail to live up to the code, instead relying on publicly shaming those practicing consistent bad behavior to stop misconduct because the grocers definitely have a spotless image to protect.
0: Now, Michael Graydon, a co-chair of the committee overseeing the development of the code, said that it has teeth. And are they as sharp as some may like? Well, maybe not.
1: Even if the code did have a method for implementing fines, the code is completely voluntary anyway, meaning that there's no government body to actually enforce them if need be.
0: Food researcher Sylvain Charlebois told the Toronto Star that it just doesn't go far enough. Quote unquote, I don't believe a big grocer would pay a fine from a voluntary industry led code.
1: And it matters because while the jury's still out on whether or not grocers have been practicing greedflation, suppliers have been adamant that big grocers have been jacking up prices despite fewer cost with regret. A code would put an end to that if anyone follows it actually.
0: Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada.
1: If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review.
0: And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com.
1: Thank you, Brett. Have a good day, Peak Pals.
0: Hi, Emma. Thanks so much for joining us on the Peak Daily today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Okay. So as we tease, we have a big announcement from Loblaw, and I would love to get into it. Tell us about Loblaw's new energy purchase.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So as you may have heard on Thursday, we announced this unprecedented carbon-free energy deal that will significantly reduce our carbon emissions. So what that means is all of the electricity that we purchase and use to power our supermarkets, drugstores, our offices and distribution centers, all in Alberta, will be generated entirely by wind, sun and water. This is very exciting for us because this type of carbon-free power purchase is the first of its kind in Canada, and it will completely eliminate Loblaw's carbon footprint in Alberta and also cut our nationwide operating emissions by 17%. It's a lot of excitement, a lot of numbers, a lot of stuff.
0: Totally. And I'd love to double click on that because obviously a lot of businesses are using renewable energy already. What makes this purchase different or unique from what other
2: companies are doing? Yeah, it's an excellent question. So renewable energy is amazing when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining. But when it doesn't, you run into challenges And so this program actually provides a solution to that problem because it solves for the intermittency challenge that's often associated with renewable energy. And what that intermittency challenge means is that when the sun doesn't shine and we don't have wind blowing, we'll actually be leveraging a pumped hydro station, which will circulate water up and down a hill. So kind of manufacturing a waterfall to create a carbon free hydro energy. And most importantly, what that does, it allows the ability to charge a massive battery that will supply the electrical grid with a stable power source when wind and solar are not available. So what's the end result? It's carbon-free energy that's available 24-7, not just when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing, that will not only power Loblaw stores and businesses, but also create a more stable and reliable renewable energy for all Albertans.
0: Wow. That's really interesting. And obviously, this isn't just a, a one-time thing. There's a bigger kind of picture here of why Loblaws is doing that. And I'd love to kind of dig into why did Loblaws make this purchase in the first place?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we at LaBla, we have a long-standing commitment and leadership in the realm of fighting climate change and specifically to achieving net zero carbon emissions for our entire operations. That's not a small feat. But when we made these commitments, we recognized that much of the technology and innovation that we needed to achieve those goals didn't yet exist. But we committed anyway, knowing that we'd be early adopters of technology and innovation when it did become available. And we also run a very energy intensive business. We transport food. We have to maintain cold storage supply and the cold chain, storing fresh produce and meat, your favorite ice creams. All of this requires a ton of energy. And so we recognize that. And that's why we're investing in clean, renewable solutions that reduce our carbon emissions and also do good for the planet. It was such an easy decision and it's one of the reasons that I really love what I get to do at Loblaw because we're committed to investing in innovative solutions that help our business do well, but also do well and do good for the planet. And this purchase alone will save the equivalent of up to 180,000 metric tons of ever being released into the atmosphere. So that's not a small number. And it will also provide over 300,000 megawatt hours of carbon-free energy every year. So for scale, For your listeners, that's enough energy to power all of the homes in a city like Lethbridge, Alberta. That's
0: an incredible accomplishment. Now, you talked about getting to net zero for all of your operations. That's obviously a huge undertaking. What else is Loblaw doing from a sustainability perspective that you think Canadians should know about?
2: Well, as a Senior Director of Sustainability and Social Impact at Lobo, I could go on for a long time because there's a lot going on. But to keep on the same thread on carbon reductions, in 2022 alone, we completed 250 projects that all work to reduce our carbon footprint. And we also recently announced the first of our zero emission day cabs that hit the road in Quebec back in April. So thanks to these efforts, you know, in our most recent ESG report, which we released earlier this week and is a real page turner, Brett. So if I can encourage your listeners to check it out. We announced that over the past two years of meaningful business growth, we simultaneously cut our carbon emissions by 8%. And that is a lot of really good work and it's showing and bearing fruit. But we're just getting started. There's a lot to do. And I know I speak for many of my colleagues at Loblaw when I say we're extremely excited and inspired by the journey we're on to get to net zero.
0: Amazing. There's a lot going on and we will link to the ESG report in the show notes just so everyone can take a look at it. But Emma, this was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on and telling us about this pretty groundbreaking purchase that you're doing in Alberta. I'm just excited to see what the results are and what the numbers actually bear when all is said and done. So thank you again for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure, Brett. Thanks for having me.